0: We're continuing our study tonight that we began last week, part two of five uh, proposed studies on how to recognize God's voice. A couple of years ago when I first came as your interim pastor, we spent some time studying this particular uh, set of points, but what we're doing on these Sunday nights is taking each point separately and taking it a little bit deeper. If I was going to talk about knowing God's will, I think we would have, if I published it, promoted it, people are much more interested in knowing the will of God. But we need to understand that God is not just interested in giving us His will. He wants to be with us. He wants you to be with Him. And so recognizing when He's speaking is just a vital part of our relationship with Him. The passage of Scripture I want to call your attention to is the one that we're using in this study, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 3, and then I'm going to read verse... 27, the Bible says, this is Jesus speaking, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And then in verse 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And in context, what Jesus is describing was a picture that was very common and well understood to his hearers. That was of a shepherd who cared for sheep, and he spent all of his days, all of his time with those sheep, and they followed him. In America, we drive sheep, we drive cattle, we drive everything, but in the Middle East, Shepherds forged a relationship where the sheep actually followed the shepherd. Well, at night, to protect them, they would often put together sticks and branches and form kind of a a rough wall, and with an opening on one end, they would just build kind of a rough circle, and they'd put all the sheep in there, and if several shepherds were together, they'd mix their sheep. They'd put them all in the pen together. In the morning, the shepherd would go to that opening in the pen and he would call his sheep, literally by name. And uh, Prancer, Vixen, whatever they named him back then. And uh, he would call them and they would follow him out. The, the other sheep, and we'll see this more in the next coming uh, two weeks from now when we study this, the other sheep would literally cower in fear in the corner. They didn't know his voice and they would avoid that particular shepherd. But they would follow the shepherd who they heard and they recognized his voice. And that's a picture of his relationship with you and with me. People are hesitant to talk about hearing God. And I find that if I can sit with you one-on-one and and you realize I'm not going to think that you're weird, uh, many of you can talk about moments where you believe that God was speaking to you. How does it happen? It just seems a little odd. Comedian Lily Tomlin once said, why is it that when we speak to God, when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we are said to be schizophrenic? And I think that's a little bit why we're hesitant to talk about hearing God. We say that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, but what does that mean? I'm afraid for too many people, a personal relationship with Jesus means I have some kind of heavenly bank account that I can draw on when, it, when I die. And because of what is kept for me in heaven, my salvation, when I die, I go to be with Jesus. And, and my relationship with him is, is uh, formal, formal. Uh, and it's like a transaction. I trusted him. He gives me salvation. But doesn't it stand to reason when you and I look in Scripture that a personal relationship with Jesus should be much more personal than that? In John 15, 15, Jesus called us friends. In Matthew 28, verse 20, in the Great Commission, he says, and lo, I'm with you always, every single moment, every single minute, even to the end of the age. And so the Lord Jesus says His presence is available to you and me. And I have this privilege of knowing Him intimately. I'm arguing tonight that nothing is more central than to salvation than this. God desires an intimate, one-on-one, daily, conversational relationship with every human being. And that includes you. Last week I reminded you of the four basic ways in which God speaks to you and me. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through the church or Christian friends. He speaks through our circumstances, and he speaks through prayer. It's primarily that fourth one, through prayer, when he speaks to us directly, that I'm building this series of messages around. He does speak in all those other ways, but I think this is perhaps the most neglected way that he speaks that we need to recapture as his children in our generation. Well, God's voice is marked by several things. We looked at the first one last week. The first one was initiative. God's voice is marked by initiative. We saw in verses 1 to 3, it says, and he calls his own sheep. And the picture that I gave you is that the shepherd comes and he takes the initiative. If the shepherd didn't show up and call the sheep, the sheep would still be sitting there in the pen. But He makes the first move. He comes to the opening, He calls to them. And so the burden of communicating with you and me relies on God himself. We have to wait for the shepherd, and the shepherd must wait for the shepherd. Uh, the sheep must wait for the shepherd to call on him. Summarizing last week in just a couple of sentences, uh, I taught that God speaks to us directly through our thoughts, through our thoughts. And we looked at the example of Elisha. Who encountered the voice of God as a still small voice and the point was this when God spoke to him he spoke to him in a way that was comprehensible it was intelligible and they were thoughts that could be recognized and so in the stream of your thought life God speaks to us and thoughts come to mind and as you and I grow in our ability to recognize his voice then we realize that God is speaking at a particular moment to help us um, Believe that. Uh, you know, there are times where we're being tempted and we're just flooded with thoughts and we're thinking, where did those come from? We don't question the fact that those come from the devil. Our problem is recognizing when God brings thoughts to our mind, brings someone to mind maybe that we're to pray for or do ministry to, or he brings something specific to us. He's, the, the second principle, and this is what I want us to explore tonight, is that God speaks, his voice is marked by Clarity clarity it says in verse 3 and the sheep hear his voice in verse 27 Jesus said my sheep hear my voice there's a clarity when God speaks you can recognize that God is speaking it is possible it's not only possible it's actually expected that a child of God would clearly recognize God's voice some of you may not know it but I am deaf virtually deaf on my left side now, I can hear some very low tones like you would hear through a thick wall, but I can—I I, it's useless. And so uh, I like to drive because that puts you on my passenger side. If I'm sitting on the passenger side, I get a crick in my neck because I turn my head around so I can hear you. When I sit at, at dining tables, I'm going to fight you for the best chair, not, not <laughs> the one where I can hear everybody. And so I usually sit in one corner or the other so it puts most everybody on my good side. If I don't like you, I'll put you on my left side. And, um, and so I, I can't hear clearly out of that side. You know, there's times I'm working outside, I'm working in the house, and I think Gail's calling me. I think, nah, but if it's serious, she'll call me again. And, um, and there's times where I think I hear things. Other times, people are talking to me. I know they're speaking to me, and I didn't quite get what they said, but the mind is an amazing thing, and suddenly I hear people saying terribly funny things that I know they couldn't possibly have said. And so there's all kinds of problems associated with the fact that I can't hear clearly out of my left side. And the same is true of you and me if we're not hearing God clearly in our walk with him. Is we're going to get things jumbled. We're not going to be certain. We're not going to be sure. And as you walk with him over the course of your life, his desire is that you would know his voice. And, uh, and like Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me one of the greatest needs that you and I have when we read the Bible is this is that when we read it we read it with the assumption that the experiences that we read about are essentially the same kind of experiences that you and I would have if we were there in that story the way people reacted the things that they did and said would essentially be the things the ways that we would react and some of the things that we would say and when we fail to put ourselves into the story of Scripture, when we, put, when we fail to put ourselves in that situation, it's one of the reasons why we, um, we encourage, uh, when we teach teachers and train teachers, we, we encourage them to do questions that help people put themselves in the story in whatever you're reading. Because when we fail to do that, then the Bible becomes just a big pile of doctrine. And we are missing what God is saying to us, because essentially with Scripture, God is speaking to us from cover to cover. So, what we notice in the Bible is that all of these people had these amazing but still routine encounters with God Adam, Noah, Moses, Samuel, David, Isaiah, Nehemiah, Joseph, Mary, Peter, Paul, John. And they had these amazing encounters with God where God spoke to them. But here's what you need to know in most of those instances, they had routine daily encounters with God. There are references in the scripture to where they were spending time with him, they were meeting with him, they were talking to him at other points in their life. It's the dramatic things that tend to get captured in scripture, but the routine was there and it led to the dramatic. So many times these special encounters grew out of ongoing, regular conversations with God. So God makes himself heard and when he speaks, he takes the initiative and he speaks clearly. I want to build what we're going to say next around two questions. First question is this. What are the hindrances to hearing God? Because just like your pastor who's deaf on one side, there are things that can block your hearing of God's voice. What are the hindrances to hearing the voice of God? Let me give you an obvious one. Number one, not being born again. Not being born again. One of the reasons you will not hear the voice of God is if you've never been born again. In John chapter 8, verse 47, Jesus said, He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. The people that weren't responding to him, that didn't recognize that what he was saying was from God himself, were people that didn't know him. They had never been born again. You see, without Christ, the Bible tells us that you have a body, a soul, and a spirit Without Christ, your spirit, that part of you that has contact with the spiritual realm, that part of you that can communicate with God, without Christ, your spirit is dead. Meaning, it's not functioning like it should. It is is separated from God. And so you are at a disadvantage when it comes to talking about hearing God. And uh, can God speak to a person that doesn't know God? Well, sure he can. Sure he can. He can reveal himself any way he chooses to. But we're talking about routine, day-in, daily conversation with God himself. And one of the reasons you may not hear his voice is if you aren't saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So without the Holy Spirit, you can read the Bible all day long. It's just going to bore you to tears. Without the Holy Spirit, you can pray all day long, and you're not going to hear what you're desperate to hear apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, when a person puts their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, the Bible tells us that one of the things that happens is that person is reborn. Their spirit is regenerated. They are made new. And in fact, as we study further in Scripture, what we learn is that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and literally merges with our spirit, and we become one spirit with God, and so and so we can receive at that point the things of God, because the very spirit of God is wired in to who we are as a human being. So one of the reasons you may not hear God is you're missing the equipment you need to hear Him. You don't have a tuner uh, right now in this auditorium. Uh, there are still digital broadcasts of major television stations. There are digital radio stations. There's satellite radio, and there's analog radio that are all sending signals all over this room right now. There's probably some Sorry Country song that's playing right now. And there's probably some good old rock and roll song that's playing right now. I don't know. And, and all of that's going on, but you and I are oblivious to it. Why? Because we don't have a tuner. I can't connect with what is being communicated. I, I, I can't do it. But with the Holy Spirit, you can. Church membership is not enough. You must be born again. Well, there's a second reason you may not be able to hear God. Not being obedient to what you know. Not being obedient to what you know. We know that from cover to cover, God is speaking to you and me through his word. And when we read something clearly and we fail to obey it, we reject it, we refuse to apply it to our life, then we are hurting our capacity to hear God. Let me give you a couple of statements. Here's one. Application sharpens your recognition of God's thoughts. When God brings His thoughts to your mind, if you have a history of applying and saying, yes, Lord, when God speaks to you, application, application becomes a pathway to further hearing god hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 to 14 says this for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again and then later he says you have come to need milk and not solid food now why why are they in this situation he says solid food belongs to those who are full age that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So my inner alertness to his voice, my sensitivity to what God is leading me to that is good or or guarding me against that is bad is refined by my response to his word. The more I apply his truth, the more I am able to receive truth. And that's why some people can be a Christian for six months and absolutely blow your socks off with their devotion to God and what they're hearing and how they're learning and how they're growing. And someone else can know Christ for 60 years, and they're still a baby. They're still a spiritual baby because they have not applied what they have learned to their daily life. So application sharpens your recognition of God's thoughts. Here's a second principle. Obedience opens up greater levels of intimacy with God. So when I apply truth, I can receive more truth, but obedience does more than just open up a path to more truth. Obedience allows me to get closer to God, to be more intimate with Him. Now We've talked about this before, that in principle, the Bible says in James 4, 7, and 8, that if I draw near to God, He will draw near to me. Now just think for a moment. Are you holy? Are you perfectly pure? Is there sin in your life? There is in mine. I mean, there's a sin nature. There's a sin monster. I have to fight. Do you have one that you have to fight? And as we draw near to the Lord, guess what happens when we draw near to a holy God? It's like the lights come up in a dimly lit room. Suddenly I can see things that I didn't see before in my life. And when you and I draw near to him, that's what happens. Well, at that moment, if I want to keep going forward, I've got to respond to what God is showing me. I've got to repent. I've got to tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I want to be washed clean. I want that to be put away. And each time I do that, then I can step closer. And I can step closer. And I can step closer. And each time I draw near to him, he's going to light up more. He's going to grow me that way. And obedience opens up greater levels of intimacy with God. Listen to what Jesus says about this in John 14, verses 19 to 23. A little while longer he told his disciples, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Now, who's he talking to? Well, of course, he's talking to the people who are listening. But who else do you believe he's talking to? Every believer in this room. So said, the world won't see me. He said, but you will see me. What does that mean? He says, because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. If I had time tonight, I'd draw all that out on a marker board because it really helps you understand how secure you are in Christ when you put that into a picture form. I'm in my Father, you in me, and I in you. Then look at verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, observes them, does them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. Now look at this and manifest myself to him. You see that? Let's keep reading. Judas, this is actually Thaddeus, it's not a Iscariot. Judas, who is Thaddeus, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, reveal yourself to us, and not to the world? How's that going to happen? Jesus says, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's shouting kind of a verse, you know? Yeah! Bring it! I want that! I mean, you can think about Jesus in a picture. You can read about him in a book. You can think about him as someone who lived thousands of years ago, or he can be someone who lives with you. And Jesus is saying here that your love for the Lord, you can say, well, I love Jesus. You can even sing it, say, I love Jesus. But he says, you know how you can know that you really love me? So when you're so in love with me, that you do the things that please me. You're all about figuring out what pleases me, and you're all about obedience. When you're that kind of a person, that's your heart. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen. He said, you're going to experience me in a way that no one else on earth can experience me. When you love me like that. When obedience is an expression of your desire to please him. We're not talking about legalism where you're trying to earn your way to heaven. But when obedience is a desire to please him, that's the essence of loving him. He says, when that shows up as a desire to please him, he promises to live with you in the same way that he lived with his earthly disciples. Just like they walked with him, he says, I want to walk with you. Here's how that happens. And so one of the blocks, you can have a deaf side just like your preacher, one of the blocks is not being obedient to what you know. God shows you something. He says, this is what I want you to do, son. This is what I want you to do, daughter. And for whatever reason you said, I'm not going to do that, as a consequence of that, you've stopped hearing things. You've stopped sensing his leading. You've stopped sensing that movement of God in your life. And, uh, And you need to go back, and you need to do business at that very point. Let me give you a third reason you may have difficulty hearing God. Not being able to focus on what God is saying. Not being able to focus on what God is saying. There's a lot of reasons why that can happen. Um... We talked about one of this, one of them this morning. You can just be so tired, you're not going to hear God. Uh, I can speak from great personal experience about that. And uh, I know many of you can too, and so fatigue can the that. There's a lot of reasons why you may have trouble focusing on God. Matthew 6, verse 6, I believe that's why Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. We need to get away from distractions, uh, not just uh, to be seen by men, you know, uh, that was one of the context uh, reasons why Jesus said get alone, but also because uh, I, need, I need to be without the distractions of having a lot of other people around, and so I can go before him, and, and my goal is to minimize distractions so that when he speaks, I can hear him. So um, those are three reasons why we may not hear the voice of God. Now, let me encourage you in something. Um, As you grow in the Lord, as you mature in the Lord, one of the phenomena that's going to take place is that your uh, 35-year-old self may look back at your 20-year-old self and say, I can't believe I made the decisions that I made and said God was in it. Or your 45-year-old self may look at your 30-year-old self and say, well, as I look back at that, I think I would have evaluated that differently. I'm not sure I heard the Lord As clearly as i thought i did when i was 30. can i encourage you that your growing perception and awareness of god speaking to you that god uses every decision that you make in earnest to please him he's going to use that for good in your life when you are sincerely seeking to seek him god's going to work through your baby steps as fully as as he works through your mature steps as an older man or an older woman. And you don't need to go back and second guess the decisions that brought you to where you are today. Just thank God that that he's a God of grace and say, today, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say to me. Well, here's the second question. How does discernment help me hear God clearly? Discernment. How does it help me hear God clearly? Let me give you a definition. Discernment is a movement from spiritual ignorance, where I'm not hearing God at all, spiritual ignorance, to spiritual awareness of what God is saying and doing. And I want to grow in discernment. You want to grow in discernment, that capacity to recognize His voice. More specifically, discernment is moving from. And these are almost stages that we go through as we grow in this area of hearing God discernment is moving from interacting with God nowhere, and that basically describes you and me without Christ, where I really don't recognize God anywhere. And I move from a place where I'm not recognizing God speaking at any time in any place, and then as I begin to grow and begin to be exposed to the gospel and, and receive Christ, I begin to interact with God in expected places, You say, what do you mean by an expected place? Well, this is a place you expect to hear from God, isn't it? In your Bible study group, you expect to hear from God. Um, And if you go to a Bible study meeting during the week, you expect to hear from God there. And so discernment, you're growing and hearing God, is where you go from you're not hearing God at any time to where there are times where you expect to hear from Him to then you begin to hear and recognize God is speaking in unexpected places, like the middle of your workday like in the middle of a, an argument with somebody or, or, or at some unexpected moment or unexpected place. You're just driving down the road. You're not particularly thinking about the Lord, and suddenly he brings something to mind, and you know that it's him. And so your discernment moves from not hearing him anywhere to hearing him in expected places to hearing him in, in unexpected places. And then here's where you want to go. You want to go to the place where you are interacting with God everywhere. All times, all conversations, all activities, 24, 7, and sometimes even when you're asleep. You're looking for listening to, walking with, having fellowship with, having communion with God. That's where He wants to take you. I believe that with all my heart. That's what Jesus meant when he said, My sheep hear my voice. They hear me, and I know them, and they follow me. I want to read something to you as we close here. Um, And uh, we're talking tonight about hearing God clearly and how um, things can obstruct our ability to hear God's voice. 1927 there was a spiritual awakening, a revival that occurred in northern China in Shandong province. And it started in 1927, but by 1930, 1931, our own Southern Baptist missionaries that were in China got pulled into this revival. And there were some very precious men and women who were pulled into that. Charles and Ola Culpepper, a nurse named Lucy Wright, a woman named Mary Crawford, and uh, there are any number of people that were involved in that revival. When China became communist to the extent that all the foreign missionaries were driven out, many of those missionaries came back to the United States and began sharing what God did during the revival in North China. There are some scholars that believe that the the growth of the church in China today, which is absolutely amazing, that the growth in the church in China today is directly related to that revival that occurred before communism shut down the churches. And it was such a powerful move of God when he began to speak and work in the lives of the missionaries as well as the Chinese people that there were some Baptists, as you would expect, who questioned the Baptist credentials of our missionaries. (laughs) Um, I know that's a total surprise to you, but uh, they suggested that they were no longer Baptists, that they had become something else. And so they were asked to write letters to the president of the Foreign Mission Board at the time, Dr. C. E. Madry in Richmond, Virginia. And in 1933, Ola Culpepper wrote this account. It's too long to read the whole thing. I just want to read part of it she um she said your letter came two days ago and i shall try to answer today and the truth is she answered over four days just a few minutes at a time she said in reply to your letter i felt much after much prayer that i can only tell you my experience and i'm asking the lord to help me write so you can understand letters are so unsatisfactory but i felt from the very first we had from you a warmness from your heart and that you're really leaning on the lord i know if i could talk with you that you would understand People have some misunderstanding about the spiritual life of missionaries. I really felt that when I surrendered to come to China that I was fully surrendered to the Lord. I believe many hold that view. I found out when I got here that I needed much in a spiritual way. I really didn't know what I needed nor how to get it. I've heard a missionary say this, that we either grow spiritually or we go back on the foreign field. I'm sure that is true. Our very souls are tried by this cold, ungodly atmosphere of heathenism and the lack of the work of the Holy Spirit like we feel it at home. But I was really very, very much in need spiritually. And when I tried to work here, uh, we, we, we realized that we must have much of God's power flowing through us or we would see nothing happen. When I realized that, I realized how empty I had always been as a Christian. A longing came into my heart to know my Lord better I can tell you what a longing it was. I knew I didn't have any victory over sin in my life. I saw the children of God's own chosen ones giving their lives to this world, and I realized I lacked as a mother the power to instill within my children the holy fear of God. I saw that as a wife I hindered my husband by often nagging and expressing discontent about the little rubs of life. I like that phrase, the little rubs of life. I talked with unsaved people about their souls and they were not saved. I could lead meetings, organize societies, teach classes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when it came to bearing the real fruit, I was fruitless, and I and I knew it. As I said before, I longed for something more and felt perfectly helpless to know how to lay hold of the Lord for it. I started reading my Bible through more rapidly than once a year as my custom had been. I knew it was full of the teaching that we are to be radiant Christians full of praise and victory, and my hunger grew, for I did not have those things. I was happy when things were running smoothly and unhappy in the clouds. I started rising an hour earlier for prayer and Bible study. Oh, I just pled with the Lord to give me light. And then she describes when everything changed. Many had been crying to the Lord for blessing, and he heard our cry. Almost immediately, he showed me many sins that I needed to make right. I had wronged a high school friend, and he plainly showed me that I must write her, although I knew she didn't know what I had done. There were several things I had to do, and they were severe blows to my pride. But the Lord has clearly guided me, and then the letter's damaged at this point. But she's saying that if anyone had actually looked at her heart and saw what was there, it would kill her. Oh, I knew Jesus had saved me, but he was showing me that it must be only a truly cleansed vessel that he could use. In his strength, I humbled myself as he led. One evening after the service, a few of the Chinese brothers and sisters and a few of us missionaries came here to our house to pray. When we knelt down, I knew I was saved, and I knew the Holy Spirit had been in my heart every day since. But I know he was not there in the fullness, and I firmly believed that when I fully surrendered and trusted him, that he would rule and reign supreme in my heart. But many questions came to mind that made me afraid. They had often been there before. But I just said, Lord, you have told us to be filled. And all these questions that had been there went away. I surrendered to him. I haven't words to express to you what happened in my soul then. But a joy filled me that would hurt my very body. Jesus was more real to me than anyone in the room. The work of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus. And I really met my Lord that night in a way I did not dream was possible. This joy that filled my soul just rolled over me in waves and waves. When a great sorrow came into our home five years ago, it was my very soul that was grieved. But my sorrow expressed itself through my tears. And she's referring to the death of her daughter. When this joy came into my soul, it expressed itself through laughter I'd never heard a Pentecostal preach in my life. I'd never heard of anyone being as happy in the Lord that he laughed. I didn't know anyone ever had. But since I've found that, scores of people I've known through the years, and I've seen it in the Bible, that our mouths were filled with laughter. A spirit of intercession came over me as I'd never known. My heart seemed melted in the love to God, and every person that I knew I'd been struck many times with multiplied verses in God's word telling us to praise him. And I did praise him partly because I wanted to, partly because I was commanded to. But that night I would have died if I couldn't have praised him. The praise just poured out of my heart. I felt I could never praise him enough. The very first soul I dealt with after this, I won to the Lord. And I I wish we had more time to look at her story. But here's what I want you to know. She came to realize that there were things that were blocking her capacity to know Lord, the Lord in his fullness. Jesus said that if you love me, that you'll obey me, that you'll keep my commandments. He said, when you choose to, to set your heart to please me with your whole life, he said, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to make my home with you. I believe that's what Ola Culpepper was describing in that letter in 1931. Let me ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person whose heart is set to please the Lord. And is that your heart? That in every area of your life, not just on Sundays, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Is it your heart to please the Lord? Perhaps you already know that there's something that you're allowing into your life that needs to change. Something you need to stop. Something you need to put aside. Maybe he's spoken to you about doing something and you've said no. And you know he's calling, you know he's directing you. And you know, it's time to stop resisting him. It's time to start saying yes. My brother or my sister in Christ, I can't think of anything more precious on this side of heaven than encounter the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and to know that he is with you as intimately as he was with his disciples when his feet walked the earth. Is that your heart cry tonight? whatever you believe the obstacles are, would you address those this evening? Would you just tell to the Lord that you're ready to put those things down? If you feel like there's uh, confusion and you don't know what, what to do next, uh, if, if your mind is clouded and your heart is filled with doubts and you're struggling, I just want to pray for you and I'm going to pray for you as we, before we begin. When God speaks, he doesn't speak in a way that's confusing. He's never the author of confusion. So you may be experiencing a spiritual battle, and he wants to give you liberty. He wants to set you free. And let's ask him for that. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, you've never trusted him, you've never been born again, and you know that's why you're not hearing God the way that you would like. You want to settle that issue tonight. I'm here at the front. There are other pastors here at the front. We would love to to pray with you and help settle that question that you have. How do you need to respond to him? Father, thank you that as you promised, you never left us as orphans on this earth. That you indeed sent your spirit to come and dwell inside the heart of every believer, every person who's chosen Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Father, we know that while Your Spirit may live in us, we may not have lived for You. And so, Lord, as we sort it out for that individual right now, who knows that there are things that are blocking areas of disobedience, areas of distraction. I pray you would give them the courage tonight to lay down their pride and to deal with it with your leading and your guidance to tear it down, to remove those barriers with your guidance and with your help. For that dear one who's ready to put their trust in Christ and who wants to be born again, we pray you would draw them, draw them, and for the one who's confused, who struggles with questions about how you speak to them and what it all means and what the next step is and what your will is and what your direction is. I pray, Father, tonight that through your spirit, we ask it together in the name of Jesus, that you would bring order out of the chaos of that dear one's mind, that you would give them such clear direction for the very next step they need to take, that they would know that's from you. And you would strengthen them to take that first step of obedience. Lead them out of the darkness. Lead them out of confusion. And Father, now as we respond to you as your church, would you guide us, Holy Spirit? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.